This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison. And today, naturally, we are going to be talking about Liverpool's defensive midfield situation. It's been the talk really ever since Fabinho decided to make his move to Saudi Arabia. But last week, we did actually see an incoming player in this position with Tari Wendo joining from Stuttgart for £16 million. But that's given Liverpool an intriguing dilemma as well as a short-term solution because in addition to Endo, they also had um, 18-year-old Stefan Bicetic, who was obviously so impressive last season, breaking into the side. He was back on the bench against Bournemouth at the weekend, so looks to be on the verge of returning to the first team. So today we're going to talk about the battle, as it were, between those two players, Liverpool's number six situation, more generally what might need to be done still, and kind of what's on the agenda in terms of the midfield in the remaining 10 days, I think it is now, of the transfer window. So, Matt, I put up a poll on my Twitter account yesterday um, asking who Liverpool fans wanted to see play more football this season out of Endo and Bicetic, and and it was quite close. 55% were in favour of Endo playing more than Bicetic, obviously 45% the other way. So I'll put that question to you now. Which of those do you think Jurgen Klopp should be using more this year? We'll put it this way. I was surprised by the results of the poll, I have to say. Um, I suppose that maybe just goes to show, in particular on Twitter, how much people are obsessed with new players and transfers. And I mean, let's be honest, Stefan Bajetic has not played that many games. He is still a, a relatively new player, but he didn't obviously sign last week for a fair amount of money. So I think that's probably uh, the influence there. But me personally, I think Stefan Bajetic is, is the one, really. I think he's an unbelievably good talent. Um, I think he's, he's one of those that... Uh, I just think is is so so good. He just doesn't look eighteen years of age. We know how good he can be. Obviously, you've got to temper that with not overplaying him. And I think probably, I don't know for sure, but I suspect the injury last season was probably caused really by overplaying and you know too much football in a short space of time for somebody who is probably still growing and still developing physically. It probably was a little bit too much too soon, but. I suppose that's why you, you need those options in there. I think there's probably other players that can sit in there. Obviously, McAllister's done it. Thiago, potentially, when he comes back, could play there. But, you know, if it was purely, you know, Endo or Bajetic for the bigger games and for the ones that matter the most, I think Bajetic is, is the one that I would put my my eggs into that basket because he's obviously, you know, got a lot more football ahead of him. I think he's proven that he can reach the levels that need uh, the Liverpool need to, to get to. Um, obviously, we'll will come to, to Endo and, and we'll see over the next few weeks and months just how good he is. But I think with Stefan Bajetic, you know, my, my instinct right now is that they're probably relatively similar in terms of the limitations, not that, you know, the, the limitations are, are the same, but sort of the, the concern, the, the level of concern that I would have with each of them is probably similar for different reasons. But obviously Bajetic is the one that you can say, well, in the next five or six, seven years, he will be the one. Therefore, you go with him for the time being. Neither of them are perfect. Neither of them are a Moises Caicedo or Aurelian Chouameni. But um, yeah, I think the minutes will be split. But my preference would be by Chetich. I think I'd, I'd probably agree with you. Um, just on the in the sense that, like you said there, you know, Endo. I mean, Klopp's called him a late bloomer. Klopp said he thinks players are sort of in their peak window, twenty-seven to thirty-three. So maybe, you know, there's a decent few years out of him 
but really the, the long-term option there is by Sestic and you know the more sensible thing from the Bulls point of view would be to kind of integrate him into the side and not necessarily compromise his development in a way and um, to prioritize and obviously you've got to look after your short-term objectives but but like you said Matt there the players are probably quite evenly matched at the moment anyway there's not that much separating them so I think I'd, I'd favor by Sestic from that standpoint and the interesting thing with all of this is, is this going to be a battle to be first choice or second choice? And we'll, we'll come on a little bit later in the podcast talking about um, what else might need to be done um, in this area. But there's been a lot of talk this this summer, Matt, about, and this probably applies to centre-back market too, which myself and, and James Martin talked about last week. I've been a lot of talk about, you know, it's a weak market. There's not that many players out there. The prices are distorted, you know, Rice, Caicedo, players like that. I've done that. Do you think there's a chance that, and we saw Liverpool maybe try and do this last year with um, Artur and fail quite miserably in the end, but is there a chance that Endo might have been signed as a little bit of a stopgap before Liverpool actually re-enters the market next year, or, or maybe even in January, we you know they've been linked with Andre from Fluminense for that role, for example. Um, because it just feels a little bit like they tried for Caicedo, they tried for Lavia, and then they were like, okay, this one is... Um, this one was the no-brainer, really. This was the cheap player. Not going to be much competition for them. Can get a deal done rapidly, and it seemed to happen very quickly indeed. And I, yeah, I just get the sense personally that there might there might be a little bit of privately a bit of you know stopgap thinking behind this one. Would you say that's a fair assessment of it? Yeah, I think that's that's a hundred percent my reading of it. I don't really think that you can assess it in any other way when you think he's a completely different type of player to what Liverpool have done in the past. He's clearly not. You know, a player that is perfect. He's not of a level that you'd expect Liverpool to go for. Otherwise, they would have done it last summer. They would have done it earlier this summer. He's a player that, you know, probably this time last week, neither of us had heard of or, or seen, and he's come out of nowhere. <clears throat> to me, that 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 just says that they've decided that they need a world-class player in that position at some point. They've tried for Germany, as I mentioned before. They've now tried for Caicedo. Lavia, I think, was a little bit different in that he was obviously half the price of, of Caicedo, maybe a little bit more of a gamble and a, a little bit of a move away from what Liverpool normally do. But I think particularly with Chouamani and Caicedo, they've clearly identified if there is a player of that level and that quality that they can bring in. If they have to spend the money, then so be it. But obviously, at the moment, that there isn't really that player on the market, that there isn't anybody available that they can go and do that. Having not got Caicedo, not got Chouamani, who clearly doesn't want to leave Real Madrid. You know, Declan Rice has already gone to Arsenal. That kind of felt like it was one that had been done for a few months. I know Manchester City bid, but they only made one bid and then left it at 100, 105 million was supposedly too much for them. I suspect that was probably because, you know, Declan Rice had already made his decision and he wanted to go and play for Mikel Arteta. So... Beyond that, there's not loads of, of really obvious options. Obviously, Rodri is, is clearly, you know, by a mile the best one, but you're not going to be able to sign him from Manchester City. And after that, it, it's a case of going, well, what do you do? Do you go and spend 70, 80 million on Jake Decore, for example, or, or someone of that ilk? Or do you sort of hold off and, and wait? And obviously, they tried to wait last season. They couldn't do the same thing again, so they had to get someone, which is where Endo comes in and, that's the, the big difference between last summer and this summer. They've got someone. It's it's not a case of perfection or nobody. It's perfection or a short-term stopgap. And I think it's interesting that they've given Endo a four-year contract. I was you know slightly surprised at, at that length. And I would have thought that a three-year would have made a bit more sense. But 
you know, even so, it's hard to look past him being a stopgap and a short-term option until something better becomes available. Obviously, they know Thiago's contract is, is coming to an end next season. You know, even if Endo stayed for four years and left on a free at the end of his contract, Stefan Bajetic should only be 22 at that point. So it's not going to get in the way of, of the development of, of some of the other players. I, I can see why they've done it, but I don't think he is you know, a long-term solution. I know Jurgen Klopp was trying to say, well, you know, just because you've not heard of him doesn't mean he's really good. But, I mean, that, that applies to some extent. But I think there are going to be limitations that we see with him. Um, they, they had to do something. Ultimately, they, they couldn't go into the season without signing anybody. But I think this is a bit of a compromise of, look, he's all right. He'll get by and he'll help us. But, you know, it's it's a case really of waiting now until... Whoever the next Caicedo or Chumani is, I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know what you know the, the market might look like in, in 12 months' time, but I think it is a bit of a calculated, he'll probably be all right for 12 months, and then we go back and, and see what else we can do. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I, I increasingly agree with you, to be honest. Um, I think... You you look at the market of players that are available now. Um, you know, you mentioned Decore there. You know, I was watching him um last night against Arsenal uh, for Crystal Palace and you know, he, he was solid. He he was a good all round player, you know, did his defensive work very diligently, um, good on the ball, definitely. But you kind of watch and you don't really get the sense that you're looking at a um a seventy million pound player. And that's obviously no disrespect at all. I mean, that's a huge amount of money. Um, but you kind of think to yourself at the same time, well, he's 23. They paid you know, obviously a, a decent amount of money to get him last summer from France. Um, Premier League experience, the market's been inflated. I mean, maybe that is just a going rate for someone who is kind of a solid option there. Um, you, you can look at someone like Polino, who's a few years older. Also, again, would be seen as just the epitome of you know reliable in that position, kind of a short-term guarantee. But again, you know, you'd probably be asked to pay a huge price um, for that deal. So you can kind of get it from from that standpoint. Um, I think on the stopgap thing as well, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, we're comparing Endo and Bicetic for, for this season, um, which I think is an important conversation to have. But at the same time, even if Endo is the one who plays more minutes, maybe in a strange way, he is the stopgap for, for Bicetic himself. Because if you Liverpool, it gives you a chance to kind of, Assess by setage for a further year in as a number six because there's still a, dis- a thing of discussion about what his best position is. So yeah. you can kind of assess him for an extra year, and then basically, when the time comes that the transition has to happen, and maybe Endo drops out the side and by setage comes in, then maybe that's when he's ready to take on that first choice role. Because as well as he played last year by setage, you know, probably one of the main positives in the whole of last season, really, given how bleak it was. You know, there's pro- there's no question that he- he's not ready at, at this stage um, to be Liverpool's first choice option there. So maybe there was a, maybe there was kind of a thinking of if you get Ducore or if you bring in someone who's 25, 26, then that's basically the door closed. The door's still open now with, with Endo coming in too. So um, I think that's one to watch. But I mean, I think <clears throat> one thing I've been there. I was just going to say as well. I think it it's obviously in terms of the squad and in terms of the pecking order that comes into it, but it's also the money as well. If you spend 70 million on Jake Ducore now, that's 70 million that you don't have to spend on the next Moises Caicedo next summer. And we don't know what the market's going to look like. It, it might be that 70 million next summer gets you, you know, a, 
I don't know, whoever it might be, the next one who is that kind of player. That's how much Manchester United spends on Casemiro. They probably could have got him a little bit cheaper if they'd have done it a little bit earlier in the summer and not panicked. I just think there's there's only a certain amount of money and Liverpool are not a club where Decore can come in, be second choice from next summer when somebody else better comes in. If if Liverpool spends £70 million on Jake Decore in the next nine days, that's saying this is the guy that we want for the next five or six years. It's not that for Liverpool will not be a stopgap, whereas someone like Endo can be until the next best thing comes along. And obviously short term, that might hinder them a little bit. But long term, I think it it probably is for the best. It's just frustrating that that was kind of the message last summer. It's now going to be the message this summer as well. And I can fully imagine that people are probably throwing the laptop or the window, uh, the, uh, the, the phone out the window listening to this as I sort of put that forward. It's not necessarily what I want. Obviously, I want Liverpool to win immediately. But given the long term strategy, I think it probably makes a bit of sense. Yeah, I mean, of course, we, we want to be sitting here talking about, you know, Moises Caicedo being a Liverpool player. And obviously, in an ideal world, he would have been, I suppose. And you can question the wisdom of a, a team with Liverpool's ambitions having a stopgap generally. You know, some might say that just points to poor planning. And should they really have a, a just a functional solution in such an important position for a season? Um, you know, that's definitely up for debate. I mean, on, on the whole Decore side of things too, I think... You know, you mentioned there he would be seen as the one. I mean, that is kind of seventy million is is the money Liverpool have paid for players when they've thought you know he is really special, and it would kind of feel like this time it would be just more submitting to the market rather than you know breaking the bank for someone who they think is going to be a game changer. We saw they had reservations about Lavia with his price tag. I mean, I think he ended up going for sort of mid fifties, um, and the Liverpool didn't want to pay fifty themselves. Um, and maybe you get the sense that because there's this long list of of midfielders that Liverpool like, and you see some of the price tags, and you start saying, "Well, hang on, they probably would have gone for them already if they thought they were a decent decent price." Um, so that's probably what's happening behind the scenes here. I mean, the reason we're having this conversation, I'm not. I mean, because I think when Endo arrived in the first place, there was still an expectation for the most part that Liverpool were going to get another number six. Um, but then there was a report on Monday um, from James Pearce at the Athletic, who's obviously you know one of the most kind of trusted Liverpool journalists, saying that uh, Liverpool aren't currently intending to add another specialist number six before the end of the transfer window. Um, there had been a conversation between Endo and Klopp, um, which was quite interestingly kind of broadcast by Liverpool, in which Klopp was talking about you know quite frankly how much Liverpool needed Endo and. It was kind of the pitch you'd give to a player who you were kind of pinning your hopes on. But I think a lot a lot of people thought at the time, oh, he's just saying that because, you know, you want to make a player feel as important as possible. But now that probably makes more sense in light of this report coming out. Um, still a surprising development. And and further to that, Matt, it's said that Liverpool are still in the market for a midfielder, but it would be this time more of a, quote, multifunctional midfield player, someone like... Ryan Gravenberch um, at Bayern Munich, obviously. I mean, what do you make of that side of things? Is it an approach that makes sense to you? Or if you were in charge at the moment, would you be like, no, the, the money needs to be invested in a proper, you know, top draw number six now? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Ryan Gravenberg is not a holding midfielder. He never has been. And I think, obviously, there's been 
rumblings there's been interest i think for a number of years but particularly sort of since february march time it's been spoken about as one that could happen this summer and i think it's it's still definitely a possibility we're obviously recording this on on tuesday so things can change very quickly by the time people are listening to this maybe there'll be another development i know manchester united are interested in him as well but I think to me, it's it, it's one of those where it's not really about where the money should be spent. It reminds me a lot of the Cody Gappo transfer in January, in that everyone knew that Liverpool needed a midfielder. <coughs> Excuse me, everyone knew that Liverpool needed a midfielder desperately, and they chose to go and, and spend it on what we thought was going to be a left winger. Obviously, has proven to be a bit of a, a Roberto Firmino type replacement as played a little bit in midfield in the last couple of games, but I don't think that's going to last particularly long. It was more a case of Cody Gakpo was available. The midfielder that they wanted wasn't available. If they didn't get Gakpo, then what were they going to do? They were probably going to lose into Manchester United. And Ryan Gravenberg is, is very similar, very sort of uh, similar in the position. Also, the other team that is interested in him. If Liverpool feel that Ryan Gravenberg is available and Bayern Munich are willing to let him go and he's willing to move to the Premier League, then it's kind of now or never. Um, I think it's one of probably a number of players who are, you know, not as we speak available, but if they were to become available, then Liverpool would be interested. So it's not an obvious move that I would make and go, yeah, he solves all of Liverpool's problems. But I think it's just one of those where... The market is fluid that they talk a lot of sort of spinning plates and you know making sure that there's that there's loads of different irons in the fire and, and all of that sort of thing and i think this is a classic example really of the player they obviously like they think that he is one that could make a big difference moving forwards he's not played a lot for Bayern Munich, but i think the talent is clearly there we saw that at ajax he's only been on the bench for, for one season and liverpool think he could be you know, a real top player over the next few seasons. He'd be relatively cheap as well. I don't think he's going to cost much more than, I think it was about 21, 22 million that they paid for him last summer. It's not going to be a massive deal to do. So I think it's just a, a bit of an opportunistic one. If if Ryan Gravenberg becomes available, then Liverpool have to do it. Otherwise, it's it's a bit of a now or never. If they don't, then somebody else will. So I think there's, there's a decent chance of, of that one happening. But I think it would be fair to say that that would be completely separate to what they do at centre-back or, or defensive midfield. Again, if, if a player came up in those positions, they would do it. If not, they would probably wait. And it, it might feel a bit weird to some people if they only end up with Gravenberg between now and the transfer deadline, but I think that's ultimately just a, a recognition, really, of how good a player he is. He's one that they don't want to miss out on. And if he was to become available, then that would obviously then become a priority. I mean, with, with the Gravenberg situation, I think, I mean, positionally, he, he's played on the left of a defensive midfield too during his time at Ajax, um, left of a midfield three as well. He's got experience there. Um, people might look at that on the surface and say, well, technically, isn't that exactly what Liverpool need? Someone who plays on the left of a defensive midfield too. But obviously, you know, it's kind of a midfield two in name, but really Trent has so much freedom and, and Trent is kind of the this kind of playmaking um, hub really of the side that you need to be putting them alongside someone who's a bit more of a destroyer, really, if you're going to put them in that position. So that's a bit misleading. And then the left of the midfield three thing, like probably, I mean, I think the consensus that is his best position. Obviously at Liverpool, it would be kind of that left-sided advanced eight. Um, I just don't really get it from that standpoint because McAllister's come in 24 years old, Curtis Jones behind him, I think it's 22. On the other side, maybe he plays there, but also you've got Sobersly, 22, Elliot behind him. 
I mean, I just don't see kind of the fit there. And this is a player who has basically, I think through the press, maybe sometimes directly, you know, complained about his lack of game time at Bayern. But is he really going to, I mean, I just don't see how he gets much more at Bayern. I mean, it's hard, don't get me wrong, it's a low bar. He's barely he's barely played at all last season, but it still doesn't seem like that sensible of a free the party. I mean, maybe there's something in, in here where a player gets kind of completely, re, you know, remolded. We saw that with Gakpo, who would agree, like you mentioned before, you know, comes in, everyone's like, oh, he's just left winger. But then, and even, you know, playing as a false nine, I think he said he'd barely had experience of that. You know, sometimes a player comes in and they play in a role that you just don't expect. And because he's so young, maybe Klopp's like, you know what, you can turn him into a number six, who knows? I do think... In spite of all that, he seems like the most likely signing between now and the end of the window, as we sit here, like you say, Matt, on the on this Tuesday evening. Um, just from kind of what you read and things like that. But it is still one that is a bit of a head scratcher. And I think not just in the case of Gravenberch, but any kind of multifunctional midfielder, if we to use that phrase, just you don't really see why that would be a priority over six at the moment. And the the thinking feels a little bit jumbled. Um one thing we kind of need to talk about is is the money side of things. You know, we've we've touched on it already, but there was a bit of 110 million for Caicedo. Obviously, a fraction of that spent on Endo, and we're not necessarily talking about a set budget here that Liverpool are taking money out of. But it's clear that if there's a you know an expense to target Liverpool wants in their midfield, it, it seems like FSG will will bankroll it based on that bid for Caicedo. Um, Given like how weak Liverpool were last season, Matt, it seems a bit strange to kind of potentially be going into the rest of the year with such a big chunk of the, the budget left over, really. Um, I mean, we saw something similar last year where maybe money was put aside in the hope of signing Jude Bellingham you know, a year after because they knew that was going to be an expensive deal. But, but this time around, it feels a little bit like there is kind of no set player or set plan to kind of keep that money back for unless there's something you know crazy was to happen in January. I mean, I think that's a little bit strange. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, it depends how you look at it, doesn't it? I don't... I, obviously, there are some limitations to it, but I don't necessarily think that it is a case of Liverpool have X amount that they want to spend in a certain transfer window or... As they have, you know, rebuilt their attack, they could only spend, you know, a certain amount of money on it. They've spent obviously substantially on the the five players that they've got in their attack now over the course of a few seasons. But I don't think it was the case that they earmarked a certain number. And you know, if it went over that, then there was a problem. It was just a case of if it's the right player, they're prepared to pay that money. And I think the, the Caicedo bid is is interesting because I think that plays into it as well. I think a lot of people will look at that and go, well. If you were prepared to pay 110 million, you've now spent about 20 odd or a little bit more than 15. You've still got, you know, 90% of that or more to, to spend and, and to go and use. But I just don't think it's that binary. I think that money has always been there. I think there's, you know, even, you know, you think as far back as when Liverpool won the league and then didn't necessarily kick on and spend that money. Or last summer, they could have gone and spent 80 odd on Aurelian Chouameni, didn't get him, didn't spend that elsewhere. I think there's there's almost a bit of a misconception around the budget and where the money comes from and what FSG are prepared to sanction. I think you know, without wanting to sort of invite loads of comments telling me 
about how much I love FSG and all of that stuff that you always inevitably get. I just don't think it works like that. I think the money is is there if the right player is there, but it's about getting value and it's about getting the best for what Liverpool want and, and what they want to be. You know, Moises Caicedo is is up there probably with the top, definitely the top five in his position in the world, I would say, at the moment. You know, you, you're talking about very, very elite players who you either pay the money or you don't get them. Or in this case, you offer to pay the money and you don't get them anyway. It, you know, it's it's such a tricky one to try and uh, and get your head around. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if that money just sits there until the next one of those players comes available. And personally, I know a lot of people will want to criticise it, but personally, I don't think that that can be, you know, the, the wrong approach. They They have shown that there is... You know, the ambition to spend that money, they've just chosen as a sporting route, whether that's Jurgen Klopp, whether that's, you know, the recruitment team, Schmacker, probably a mixture of all of them this summer. That That is their strategy. They go and spend the big money when it's the right player and that has paid off and they've not wasted much money. There's a, there's a fine balance to be drawn, but ultimately I think more often than not, they've got it right. Obviously, that's you know, put into context by what happened last season, they clearly got that wrong, but possibly, you know, Endo is is maybe the, the sort of balance on that scale. Maybe that's the, the difference between not doing anything and not getting the perfect thing is not spending so much of your money on somebody who's not that much better than Endo to then not be able to spend that in the future, if that makes sense. I, I just think it's it's a hard balance to get right, but I think people have got to get out of their heads that, they've got 110 million to spend. I just don't think that that's the case unless, you know, another Caicedo comes along and they want to spend that money on them. I don't necessarily think that whatever they do between now and September the 1st is going to add up to 110 million. I just don't think that it works like that. Do you know what? You make a fair point in terms of, I think we think kind of, we have this maybe binary way of thinking when it comes to transfer windows or it's like there's X amount of money to spend for this window. The next window comes around, there's X amount of money to spend for that window. It's just maybe it's kind of one kind of running figure that, that is available um, and kind of accumulates over a period of time and changes depending on a variety of factors. Um, so I think that's probably true. I mean, I, one of the most interesting things about this window is, you know, we went into it thinking it's going to be really important for perceptions of FSG, given that things felt that maybe they were imbalanced a little bit in terms of was the majority of the fan base for or against, you know, them as other bull owners. And now we've got this odd situation where they've put up this money to to do what would have been a um I think Premier League record transfer for Caicedo. That what that hasn't happened. And so the, it's this really bizarre situation where almost how can they carry the can now for the midfield situation? Because if that money's been available, then surely the decisions have been made on kind of the football side to to not spend it. And I think that, you know, there's been key mistakes made previously. Of course there have been, but I do I do think that if this endo gamble that looks like Liverpool are going to take, and again we don't know what happens between now and September the first, but if they're going to take the gamble and say, do you know what, we're going to go with Endo by Setich, maybe Thiago McAllister filling in there from time to time over the course of the season. If that backfires, then I think Really, the questions have to be asked chiefly at Jurgen Klopp, who, by all accounts, including his own, is being really the driving force behind that sign. And so it's a, it's a fascinating and quite multifaceted situation, really, and, and we'll only be able to cast a definitive judgment on it come the end of the season. But having said that, 
let us know in the comments who you want to see play more out of um, Endo and Bicetic this season because you've got really two players at almost opposite ends of their careers um, and a, an interesting headache for Jürgen Klopp there. But yeah, we're going to leave it there for this week's podcast. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back around the same time next week with another episode. So we'll see you then. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.